0: Hello and welcome to our sixth chapter of the Pro Player Diary. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornatal, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker. Sounding a little rough, I think I have this week, I'm at the same stage in illness recovery as uh, our pro pro player was at this time last week. He is, of course, Sean Borman. Sean, are you back to 100% physically?
1: Yeah, I think so. I feel pretty good today. Now, were you good today?
0: You, did you get diagnosed with strep throat, or did you just have something strep throat-like?
1: I did. No, I tested positive for strep.
0: Gotcha. Do you need to go on antibiotics when you have that? I'm asking for a friend.
1: I, well, I was put on antibiotics, so I, I'm assuming so.
0: Um, it's just it, This is like a week now. It, t- Tuesday night, the sore throat started. The sore throat is actually gone, but I just still feel a little bit like beat up um but you know I'm mostly avoiding people and you know trying to wear a mask and things like that I just I just at this point I feel like I'm over I'm past the point where I want to take medicine but anyway that's not what we're here to talk about today I'm just trying to explain my horrible sounding voice to the to the afflicted uh listeners bunch of questions I have for you let's start off with an audience question and this one was about figure making and the idea that in classic figure making there was this idea around that the $10,000 claimer was the best horse to use as your sort of baseline when you're establishing pars, with the thought being that a $10,000 claimer is basically the same horse wherever you're running in America. And quite intelligently, our questioner said, hey, is that really the case anymore with slot field purses, et cetera, et cetera? Is there a different or better standard that you use in modern figure making as your basis, rather than the ten claim. Uh,
1: no, I I still use that sort of as my base level of everything. Um, I think I think technically I use like ten to twelve five maybe as my base. Um, base level for for my figure. Actually, it's ten to ten to fourteen nine nine nine. So. Between ten and fifteen thousand is the is the sort of level I use. I don't necessarily think the the adage that they're the same horse across jurisdictions is true anymore for the exact reason the listener mentioned. I think the you know, purse money at different places, you know, it has to change the quality of the races. You would think. I mean, maybe it doesn't. Um, that would be sort of an interesting study to do. If figures at you know slot fueled jurisdictions are, are higher at comparable class levels than they are otherwise, so I you know I don't know I don't have time to do that study. So, okay. um, but yeah, I, I, I still use that level. It works fine for me. Um, there's, it's very possible. There's a there's a better approach as for I continue the to.
0: For the uninitiated, Sean, like, what does that mean? You know, give like an overview of how you use those numbers in the overall figure making process for somebody who's maybe never made figures before.
1: Well, so I basically um, went through like each sort of class, not individual class level, but sort of, you know, broader class jurisdiction, like claimers versus allowance versus stakes um, and, and tried to find a base you know, base level in each one of those. So, you know, for the claimers, I used 10 to 15,000, um, for allowance horses, I just used like a classified allowance horse, like the top, top level allowance horse. And then I just, you know, just the figures down based on non-winners of one life, you know, non-winners of two life, non-winners of one other than, et cetera. Um, for maiden claimers, I used um, fifteen to twenty thousand as the base level. So it's just you know, I, and I tried to when I sort of put all this together, I tried to look at purse values um, at each sort of tier of racetrack, and and base it also on purse values because I do think that matters. You know, in general, I still sort of use the same same base levels that that historically have been used.
0: All right. Hopefully that's uh, hopefully that's helpful. What about in your own gambling? What uh, what was your story starting off with last Wednesday? Did you get, end up getting involved? Yeah, I did, and I had
1: a I had a real interesting sort of bet pop up um, that we can talk about. There was a you know I've been sort of tinkering. As I tend to do when things are not going well, um, I sort of start tinkering with ideas and, and strategies and you know, handicapping strategies, betting strategies, of everything, uh, probably a little too much. But I've been working on sort of taking my array of pace and final figures and making just one sort of Weighted figure. Um, I'm calling it an efficiency figure that sort of takes into account how efficient the horse ran around the track. So it's like a weighted average of of my pace line, basically. And I've been, you know, sort of fooling around with that for a month or six weeks, and I've, I've noticed that it could potentially be helpful. Interesting. Um, so. I tried to sort of do it a little more officially on Wednesday's card and, and do it, you know, I've just sort of been spot doing it. Um, When I'm playing and noticing things, I'll, I'll sort of just do it by hand for individual horses. And, but then I just did it for the whole card on Wednesday. And there was a horse that popped up in like the seventh race at Happy Valley that, you know, had, was within like a point or two of having the best efficiency figure off its race two back. Um, its last race, I thought, was just a complete throwout race. It it had you know run wide with no cover on maybe the strongest inside track of this season. What certainly one of the strongest inside tracks of the season it was just sort of way out of position. So it was just a kind of classic. You know, you could throw that race out, and this race two back was really good and really competitive with, with the field on Wednesday. Um, and he was 35, 40 to one, which seemed just completely illogical to me. So I sort of messaged a a friend of mine who runs a, sort of a big betting syndicate that bets primarily on Hong Kong. Um, and he's based in Dubai (laughs) And so when the races are going on, we we sort of chat back and forth all the time. And I said, you know, he's he's a much more sort of quantitative. It's not really a computer team, but it's a lot more computer-like than what I'm doing. So I messaged him and said, you know, why is, I think the horse's name was Starbright. Yeah, Starbright. I said, why is Starbright such a big price here? And, you know, he said, you know, probably the jockey wasn't one of the top jocks, you know, the jock in the post, um, you know, he, he specifically said the jock and the wide post And this, you know, horse was breaking from seven out of 12, which I don't really consider that wide. I, I would no. say that mid, you know, mid range. Um, and, you know, so that was his sort of rationale and that, didn't make a ton of sense to me so i was just sort of sitting here thinking things over and then he you know continued the conversation and said that yeah on his odds line he had the horse about the same if not even higher um so he didn't think there was any value at all and you know i just sat there and kept thinking like you know sort of similar to the voyage bubble horse we talked about last week like i know they underbet post position and You know, over and under bet jockeys and and just stuff that I don't consider to be nearly as important as figures or, you know, pace or, you know, anything. And I, I was like, you know, this, this is one of the sharper guys that I know who bets, you know, tons of money. They, they bet a lot of money in this syndicate and they're, wrong here (laughs) so that you know there that tells me that this is a great betting opportunity um you know so i didn't necessarily like the favorite so i played this horse um, first and second with two other horses i believe that were both in the three to four to one range the favorite was three to two or you know sub two to one i believe um and the horse you know ran great, you know briefly, stuck its head in front of the lane, ended up running third, the favorite one, and then you know one of my other horses ran second, so I you know just missed out on a pretty good exacta score. Um, I didn't play the try, so i you know I missed out on everything, but it was a you know I, I think it was a really good example of keeping things simple and focusing on the factors that i know mean more than a lot of this other shit that's you know people think about and overthink about and that you know sort of gave me hope and it also you know solidified my idea that those efficiency figures can have some usefulness to them
0: i want um, to talk about that a little bit isn't it so the efficiency figure is it is it something mathematical or is it more like you're looking at the array and you're trying to like discern an overall Ability from the array.
1: It's both. I mean, there's a formula to it that I've sort of settled on. Um, but the the idea is to you know a lot of times I've, I'll I'll get a little too fixated on on horses that that finish fast, and it sort of miss the miss the point that you know they they finish fast because they were just too far back. Um,
0: Right. Going so slow early, you're supposed to
1: finish Yeah, Yeah. Um, And, you know, a lot of times I will, I will fade, you know, speed horses that don't finish um, and gets, you know, get, get beat by them a lot, which over the years has, you know, been a good play for me, but I, I do sort of, have a bias against against those type horses. So this, you know, is just a, a figure that can sort of tell me if the horse might be too far in front to to drop all the way out of it, or if the horse I'm interested in betting that finishes well is going to be too far back to actually get up. It's just another data point that that I think could be useful. Um because ultimately like the best horses are the ones that 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 are you know, the flight lines of the world and the, and the gun runners of the world that could run close to the pace and still outfinish everybody, Um, you know, and that's, it's, it can capture that better than, than maybe the entire pace line can just because they're, you know, you're talking about four or five figures per horse per race, you know, you're looking through their PPs and you're staring at, 50 figures all of a sudden and you just miss some things um so like what i did for wednesday was i I went through and handicapped the races and just sort of did the old like choose the most representative running line of their recent form approach so i just took the what i thought was the most recent race of theirs that was the most predictive of what they would do on wednesday
0: picking a pace Um,
1: Kicking the baseline, exactly. And, and I, I used that line to, to determine which efficiency figure to use. Um, so, you know, I, I was on a, a really live 50 to one shot and just, you know, got beat. But it, it it's going to be useful, I think.
0: Yeah, it's um, encouraging in a way. I'm also curious, are you – so are you sometimes – is it almost like a flow upgrade in a way where sometimes it's uh, a flow uh, upgrade because uh, you're were. Consumer- Inefficient too fast early. Sometimes it's because you were closing you, you you finished well, you were somewhere near the par, but you couldn't get close enough because of the way the pace unfolded. Or are you typically more upgrading, you know, those finishers and, and not so much the inefficient speed
1: I still in the, the the formula that I settled on, I still weight the overall final figure and the late pace figure higher than I do the early pace figures. Because um, I do think, especially in Hong Kong, that that's you know that final segment is the most important segment. Um,
0: and we're talking all entirely on turf here. No, I'm,
1: I'm doing it on dirt too. I, okay. No, they don't run a ton of dirt races. Um, I don't think they've actually run one. No, they ran a couple a couple of weeks ago that I did sort of messing around with these things with.
0: I think um, the formula would be different on dirt than it would on turf, just because of the way that uh,
1: they sort yeah. of ride the dirt racing over there. Similar, um, so I don't think it is going to be that different. Honestly, yeah, it might be slightly different. And you know, the Wednesday, this Wednesday is an all dirt card at Shah 10 Wednesday morning. Um, so maybe we could we could rouse Marshall out of bed if he could I, get up bet some Hong Kong finally yeah. just be dirt. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see Wednesday how they, how, they, how they work.
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting idea and something to follow. I mean, obviously, that's, that's one of those things where you don't have the result to show in your bank account. But if you're finding a, a tool that's going to come up more than, you know, completely infrequently, that's yielding a horse at that price, that's going to hit the board. I mean, there's, there's clearly uh, some positive indications that this is something to to continue to follow.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's uh, can't hurt at this point, All right?
0: Did you do anything Thursday or Friday? I know you were up early. Uh, we were chatting throughout the, the Dubai situation. Did you Did you do anything between Wednesday and Saturday morning?
1: I, uh, both Thursday and Friday, I had uh, Hazel, our three-year-old home, with her case of strep throat that oh, I had her. So Hazel and I, we hung out and Played school and uh, <laughs> played family and all the little games she likes to play. Watched a lot of ridiculous TV and just what, sort of what's, let her. Recuperate,
0: what's so. Hazel watching these days?
1: Uh, Hazel is, she's, you know, she's I've finally gotten there to watch some Bluey, which is by <laughs> far the best kid show of all time. Um, but she likes, she like you know, she found some, some old Nickelodeon show called Gullah Gullah Island never that, heard of it it's like uh, me either um but she likes that and she likes uh she likes peppa pig she likes you know, <laughs> some, some disney movies um she's you know just the normal stuff
0: one of your best comments of all time when you know you're you're, you're we have we have daughters a similar age i'm trying to remember which is the, which is the cartoon which is the cartoon where the mom is kind of hot do you know what i'm talking about?
1: Uh, gosh, I feel like if I answer this wrong, I'm just something <laughs> away about myself.
0: We could can get, um, can get canceled here. It was. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to remember what it was, but you and I were talking about it once. And like Susan overheard us and was just like, you guys are so sick.
1: I mean, I gotta be honest. I don't think the mom in Fancy Nancy that attractive. It <laughs> could have been Fancy Nancy.
0: I've never seen that, so it wasn't. It okay, wasn't, it wasn't fancy,
1: I think, Nancy oh. I
0: think there was a prince. Oh. I mean, this is really going to narrow it down. It was an animated show. There was a princess. I, I, you know, I don't know if it was uh, Elena of Avalor or something like that. I don't know. We, we've we've gone deep down a rabbit hole here. I'm just, you know,
1: while we're sitting here, I'm just going to Google um, "hot cartoon moms" <laughs> and just see what comes up here.
0: This is gonna definitely lead to some interesting <laughs> ads popping up on your on your uh, on your internet feed. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pretty much guarantee. It Ooh. wasn't
1: the mom from the 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 Incredibles, was it?
0: No, I. She I, pops I,
1: up on here. She's yeah. only number ten, though. Certainly was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this you can't uh, you can't get content like this just anywhere, people. I'm telling you. Um, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. If I, I remember it, it, we'll confirm next week, or I'll make it the I'll make it the featured image of the show potentially. Say, <laughs> I may get I may get into copyright problems for that. But so, how much Dubai did you look at? Let's get back to Dubai for a second.
1: I watched most of that. Most of that, I think I missed the first race, and then I watched. Uh,
0: watched the Arabians, seven. yeah, you, that that was the one to that was the one to miss.
1: Oh, good. I didn't even I didn't even know it was Arabian, so I feel <laughs> sort of good
0: about that. <laughs> unless it was the first thoroughbred race, but what uh, you, you ended up, uh, you ended up betting.
1: I did. I bet. Um, well, there's a Hong Kong horse that ran in one of the turf races that I that made a small bet on. He ran terrible. Um, I didn't bet. I didn't, I, I didn't have enough confidence to, to bet any of the other races just because I had no data and didn't feel like really doing a whole lot of work. So um, I just, I just watched. It's a very interesting day of racing. I thought, though.
0: What were some of your What were some of your takeaways?
1: <laughs> oh, Japan! They've got some pretty good horses over there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: Captain, obvious, but Jesus! No, I mean, that equinox no. thing looks like an absolute
0: freak. I mean, visually, wasn't that just one of the craziest races? Oh, God,
1: yeah. I, that, that's one I actually didn't see live because we had to run out for a minute. But a friend texted me. And the first thing I stumbled upon, you know, when I got on Twitter was like an overhead view of the stretch run. And yeah. man, um, that was just unbelievable. His quicken was just unbelievably impressive.
0: It was not it truly put it to bed quickly and easily. And then just that cruising speed. I can't to hear yeah. what the plan's going to be for him. I mean, obviously you got to figure the circle, the arc and move backwards, but man, I, I, I was dreaming on getting the getting a royal asket to sighting or keeping him going. Nick and I talked about this in the other show. Like, you know, we're gonna have a lot of Japanese horses at the Breeders' Cup with it being in California. It's a much easier ship for them. And yeah. could add some some star power to the event.
1: Absolutely. And the way he ran, you know, on that desert turf course, you'd think Santa Anita would suit Perfect. him pretty damn good. So
0: tight left handed firm.
1: Yeah. Um you know, he was impressive at one. I I don't remember names, but the the three year old I thought was really impressive. Yep. Um, even though I'm sure that you know I'm sure there was a bias at play, like there always is, or supposed bias at play. But that horse was was really impressive too.
0: Derma Derma Satogake is that horse? And yes, let's, yeah. Let's let's talk about this because you were somebody. You and I both were very pro Mendelson off of <laughs> the uh, the race five years ago and i forget how but we had a pretty good we had a speed figure i know we felt pretty good about from that i don't know if you made it or yeah
1: i think i did make that i think didn't paul make one too maybe
0: Paul might have made one too are you are you going to make a figure for this
1: probably not honestly i might if i i'm actually it is the kentucky derby working yeah i know i'm working with uh one of the listeners one of the listeners actually that reached out to me um, about trying to catch up some of my u s figures, so we'll, we'll we'll try. It's just a pain to get good par information over there.
0: yeah. Uh, well, and the track does truly seem to change. I mean, look how much faster I'm not saying it wasn't super fast, and I'm not saying it was the best World Cup ever. But when you look at those final times, I mean, very hard pressed to not think that the track changed. And that's been, you know, Michael Adolphson, who lives over there says like it, the weather drops like 20 degrees. Like mm-hmm. the track would almost have to change between those two races, you know? Um, and it seems that way watching the last couple of world cups that it's just, you know, the, the speed by, the rail speed thing that is so obviously happening early on the card does not seem to be happening by the time you get to the last race. Um, several years running so it's uh it but but still th- th- there's no way it was anything but fast right oh yeah no i think uh,
1: certainly it was fast certainly it was fast um it's just you know i i, I think that the japanese thing is probably going to start working against us you know Derby day and Breeders' Cup this year, I think the horses based on their true abilities are probably going to start being overbet instead of underbet, just because they're from Japan. So, you know, as with everything else, the odds, you know, should dictate if you if you use the horse or or key the horse or whatever. But it's you know, from what I've seen, which admittedly is not usually what I've seen at this point in the process, but what I've seen from the Derby preps this year. You know, if an international horse is ever going to win the Derby, it could be a year like this where there's just not a real superstar. Um, yeah. In my opinion yet. Forte's think. really good, but Forte isn't running, you know, 108s. No. Yeah.
0: No, we'll learn a lot more this weekend when he returns in the Florida Derby. Will, you, will right. you take a look? Will you take a look at this weekend?
1: Oh, well, I'm going to try to. Um, particularly that race, I'm interested to see what he does from the from the post position that I assume they're gonna run, you know. Now nowadays it seems like trainers are just more apt to scratch and try to find a different spot if they don't like their if they don't like their post. But
0: well, the wood, I assume he's gonna go. The Wood Memorial would not would not be a bad um, potential alternative if they wanted to wait. But I mean, he's ready to run. I think he run. I mean, I think.
1: The, well, you know, God forbid you put a horse in a situation to face some adversity before <laughs> against twenty other horses in the fucking Kentucky Derby. I mean, that seems, you know, that seems crazy to do that.
0: Yeah, it's just it might run. Be very Just good. run your
1: horses. It's not hard
0: it might it might be good for him so i'm I'm hoping that's what i'm hoping that's what happens the the it's it's not it might
1: be good for him it will be good for him like you don't have to win the florida
0: derby run
1: a good second or third you're fine learn something
0: you know and honestly looking through at the horses he's supposed to win anyway
1: of course he is yeah and good horses will win you know he could draw 14 and win that's you know that's like what we've talked about, with some of these Hong Kong races. Look! Look! Look at the Hong Kong Derby. That horse was a pure speed horse. Drew fourteen, rated back the last, and won anyway. Just run your horse.
0: <laughs> it sounds like sound advice for sure. So, was there anything anything to be gleaned in the in the bet that you actually made?
1: the The one in Dubai. Yes. It was a terrible terrible pick. Um, I don't think the horse got a very good trip and I, you know, was just completely wrong. So I, I didn't know. I did not learn much from that bet other than, you know, once again, I, at the end of the Dubai card, I said to myself, well, why exactly did I get up and pay attention to this other than just as a fan? Like, you know, you don't have I I, I don't have enough of an edge to be playing over there consistently.
0: It does seem like one with the bias that there there are some potentially interesting opportunities, knowing how it knowing how it is early in that card every year. Uh, you yeah, you would
1: think team so, team. but I, it doesn't seem like the jockeys. They they don't ride the the course that way, you know. Like the, how many you know? It seemed like uh, some of the guys were just totally content to be four wide, even though it was totally obvious you didn't want to do that. So. Uh, you know i don't know that seems like a bias that is very hard to react to during the day but could be beneficial you know afterwards
0: right well we're going to see many more of those horses later this year in various uh in various contexts what did you what did you end up doing with your not the non-racing portion of your saturday uh what did
1: we do um I know what we did. My, my wife and I went on a double date Saturday evening. Um, That's fun. It was fun. It was very nice. Um, I forget what we did during the day, to be honest. Oh, the girls had a little play date. That's what they had. A little friend over and had a had a play date, and we just sort of did stuff around the house. A very very domestic Saturday.
0: That sounds good. Where'd you go on your date? Uh, We
1: went down to the Twenty One C, the restaurant at the Twenty One C Hotel downtown.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've eaten at that restaurant. One of the the Breeders Cups. It was fun. Yeah, it was very good, actually. Very good. Yeah, I'm looking forward. My trip back to my next trip to Lex isn't too far off. Coming for the contest weekend. So.
1: Yeah, that's the we'll be gone that weekend. So I'll I'll miss you then. But I'll see Derby Week. I'm sure.
0: Is that spring break for you guys?
1: No, it's actually. Kiana is She has her twentieth Duke reunion that That's weekend, so mentioned. we're taking the girls down there.
0: Yes, you mentioned that to me. All right, Saturday night. You got you get home. You're in a good good frame of mind to tackle those races. What had you end up playing it?
1: Well, I bet too much money. Um, I was probably a little too enthusiastic about the efficiency figure thing, and there were a couple of big prices um, that I. That I bet too much on, that did not perform, that ran to their odds and not my figures, right. uh, unfortunately. But you know, one thing I noticed Saturday, and this is this is something I'm going to go back and, and do some research on. Um, but it was pretty clear about three races into that card that the the efficiency figures weren't gonna be as helpful because it was just all late pace, like the best late pace horses were just dominating those races. Um and most of the horses that I was trying to bet were were more like early, you know, early to mid pack horses that had okay finish but not dominant finish. Um and a lot of times that works but it it just didn't at shot in I don't think it was a bias. I think it I think there might be like a rail setting thing, which I guess would technically sort of be a bias. I think, you know, that's what I'm gonna go back and look at is just if that particular rail setting tends to lean that way, or if it was just the dynamics of those races. I mean, nothing um nothing really unusual happened in terms of you know so the races came fairly logically and I was sort of betting them to come ill illogically based on the odds so I I didn't have a very good night but nothing nothing happened that made me think there was a a very like a bias or a, anything other than just you know regular sort of Hong Kong racing where the where that last segment means a lot more
0: do you ever do the sort of quick and dirty old school track profile thing again i think it comes from the bro hammer where you, you just sort of notice okay that horse was won by you know lp1 or that horse was won by you know as late pace, lp1 meaning the best late pace horse this yeah. race was won by the best early speed horse and just you know and and it's it's just sort of another way to find these sort of structural um biases do, do you Bias might even be not the wrong word. Profile. Profile, it's, yeah. Profile is a better word. The do you do you like write that out or is it just something you more notice intuitively? It's just
1: sort of a, a notice. Um I'm s i certainly pay attention to that kind of stuff, but I'm not sitting there writing out like, you know, where the winners and second place horses were, you know, what positions they were in going around the track and like what their um ranking was in terms of late pace figures or anything but it this was just a day where it was just very sort of noticeable Um you know because I was doing you know like the bets I made were you know there was a horse in the second race that had a bad you know sort of very similar to the one on Wednesday it was his last race you could throw out and two back was you know competitive and looked like he was improving and was you know trained by one of the not top tier guys, but sort of one of the second tier guys um, when he was, you know, 40 to one and had some dirty form. So I keyed him with the best horses and best closers. And, you know, he ran out, but they ran one, two, three. So it, it just, it just became pretty obvious like what was working and what wasn't. And so I knew going my next, you know, efficiency figure horse was in the ninth race and by then i sort of knew what the deal was and what was going to happen um but the horse was 50 to 1. so i had to make the bet and just sort of accept what happened and he got you know a pretty questionable ride and not a great trip and and didn't didn't run a step um but the horses i keep him with ran first and second and you know another huge price. I think 180 to one shot ran with them. So it whoa. You know, I was had the right idea, of playing for sort of chaos in that race, um, but I just had the wrong chaos horse. And the horse that that 180 to one horse was just completely unhalfable. I don't really know how it how it ran. It, it, I
0: mean, you know, it sounds like you're in tune, right? I mean. Did you make a mistake with how much you bet or did you just sort of lose the max of what you were, you were looking to, like when you talk about losing, you know, did did you up your limit too much or like, how did that, give me uh, like a picture of that. I, I made a mistake.
1: I, I was just too aggressive. Um, I felt pretty good about this, you know, new idea I was working with and had big prices and, you know, had some stuff, you know, personal life stuff um, go on in the last 10 days that sort of made me want to cash a big ticket for lack of a better, you know, idea. It just, you know, i I, you know, nothing serious is going on. But I just, you know, I, I felt the need to get some money in the bank account, basically. So I was just, I was aggressive and I thought, you know, I was too aggressive and I thought that, you know those figures were giving me a little edge that that other people didn't have and i just i just bet too much money but also if i connected i was going to make a ton so i don't necessarily feel bad about it other than you know i'm gonna have to dial things back this week and you know go back to forcing myself to or you know earning my way back up to to betting more um that was the mistake I made. It was just too, too aggressive feeling a little too good about myself based on my recent results. Right.
0: But not, I guess that's the difference between, you know, wait, waiting till all the dots connect before you do that and doing that, just, you know, you're seeing all these, you're seeing a lot of glimmers, but it sounds like you, you, you feel like plant your first plan was your best plan to truly earn that right to bet more. Right.
1: And I'm, I'm, you know, one, one thing I'm certainly doing wrong um, is just trying to to hit the home runs and the grand slams. I need, you know, I'm, I'm totally unwilling right now to, you know, take a solid double or even a fucking slap in a single yeah. <laughs> to the opposite field. I, I'm just not my mindset right now is to just end this damn losing streak with as much authority as possible. And I need to get, I need to get that out of my mind. I need to, you know, I just need to put like two or three good days together, even if they're small good days and then start trying to hit home runs. But
0: that makes more sense to me. I mean, in my experience, it's very often the opposite field single that gets you going, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's right. But it's just, You know, in all honesty, I've had so few winning days lately that I feel like when I do have one, I really need to capitalize on it. I can't be satisfied with, you know, making a thousand bucks. I need to make 10,000 and make it really, really count. Um, But I, I know that's the wrong mindset to be in.
0: I think it's, a, is it's there a, a little bit of a take is there a little bit of a take what they give you in that though I mean, if you've made a thousand and the that the those were your perceived opportunities for the day, I have no problem quitting there at the same time, if you've made a thousand and your best bet's still coming up, like you can't you know can you have your cake and eat it too a little bit if the situation allows itself if if the situation unfolds in such a way where that makes sense yeah
1: i think I think ideally. You know, you, you, you work your way to where you're up five or six hundred bucks and you like something late in the card and then you take that five or six hundred and say, I'm not going to lose today, but I'm going to shoot it all at this really good opportunity. And then that's where you try to try to hit your home run instead of just, you know, trying to hit the home run in the second race.
0: Right. Well, that makes perfect sense. But of course, it all depends uh, on how the races line up for you.
1: Well, right. But then, you know, it's sort of mentally draining. Say, you know, say you've got like Saturday, I had, you know, 40 plus to one shot in the second race I liked and one in the ninth race. And let's say the one in the second race, I bet a hundred dollars into, you know, trying to turn a hundred into whatever um, and I get that one right and then i bet. 2000 in the yeah. ninth race and get that one wrong. And I'm, you know, sort of squandered a 41 shot that ran well. So it, it, it goes both ways, really. And it's just hard to, when you're, when you're sort of mind screwed, you, you're not thinking clearly, it's hard to get it exactly right. Certainly for me, I'm sure it's not hard for everybody, but, you know, I'm, I'm struggling right now with where to put my money um, and when to when to put it in. That's the biggest issue I'm having
0: right now. Looking ahead to this Wednesday, historically, how have you done with the all-dirt cards? I mean, there have been enough of them that I'm sure you have some idea if they're preferable or neutral or negative to the normal fare.
1: Um, I think historically I've won on them. I remember one in particular. I had a real good day. I think you were there, actually. I think didn't. I think there was an all dirt card where you came to my old office one Wednesday morning. Yes.
0: Yeah, when I was. Recording. I had a really good day. Yeah, it was late season, and we were recording. Yeah. For, I, think, um, I think it was for Horseplayer Happy Hour.
1: I think you know they're they're sort of tricky cards um, because you know most of the horses over there are turf horses, so you can you know you'll get races where they'll you know, have one or two confirmed dirt horses against 10 horses that either haven't been on dirt or only trial on dirt or you know whatever um so they're they're a little they're a little tricky but there's also there's also great betting opportunities i remember a dirt i i think it was an all dirt card i'm not Actually, I don't. I think it was a just a shot-in card that had some dirt racing mixed in. But there was a horse that had been running not too great on turf, but had had one sort of good race, like five or six races back on turf. He'd never been on dirt before, but he had like American breeding, um, and he won a dirt race at like a hundred to one, and it was completely habitable, just off breeding and sort of pace. So there's always something that pops up in these dirt cards that's that's at least interesting um, that, that provides good good betting
0: opportunities. So that's that that's got to be positive. And in terms of that big question of how to allocate your money, I mean, do you think you'll do anything special in terms of trying to budget per opportunities, or will it be more of a typical? start out with, you know, a unit type bet and, and earn the bet earn, earn the right to bet more throughout the car.
1: I, I mean, that's what I'm going to try to do is the latter. Um, it's just, it's hard to having not looked at the card yet and, and not seeing any odds. It's, it's hard to know exactly what you need to, you need plan to be further
0: be. in your process to answer that question. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, you know,
1: it could be the best opportunities in the first race and I have to either bet it or you know or they just make a decision so it, it i never know i try not to be too rigid and stuff like that i try to be as flexible as possible because you you know you just never know what a great you know what a great betting board opens up and you just you, know, you need to be prepared to take advantage of what opportunities they give you so i, I try not to be too rigid but I definitely need to stick to some rules <laughs> a yeah, that's a problem. You're, you're a little
0: you're a little caught in between it sounds like but I think that idea you know between the grading of the races you know and just knowing where having your own sort of intuitive risk and reward system I have a feeling you'll go in with you know you go in with enough of a plan and that if if things are going your way you know it, it makes sense to try to increase a little bit it's just yeah, it'd be nice to get uh, hoping you hoping that the the, the the maybe shaking up the format of the racing helps uh, get you back on the good foot this week.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice. You know, I'm well, about as down as I've been. Now I, I don't. You know, I'm not super confident, but just keep plugging away.
0: Yeah, I mean that's and that is sometimes where I think having. Having more of a plan than usual is probably not a bad thing, right? Yeah, it's doing, just yeah, you know, doing as much of that thinking a, a, ahead of time. Because when your confidence is low, that's when I think it makes split second. You know what I mean? Like you make a plan, and then you can always. There's nothing to second guess when you're making split second decisions. There's almost always something to second guess. You know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I just it's you know I'm. You know, one of the downsides, it's it's really awesome that they open the pools 24 hours out and you can get a you know good idea of what horse is going to be bet and what combinations are going to pay what, but it almost gives me too much time to think about it sometimes. Like when I say, you know, I'm going to get super prepared by two o'clock on Tuesday and But then the rest of Tuesday and Tuesday night, I'm just thinking about this and that, you know, this and I'm checking the odds. And sometimes it's sometimes it's even better for me to just not think about it, you know, do my handicapping, but not think about the wagering side until Wednesday morning. Um, But, you know, I think in general, it is better to have some sort of plan. And typically I do have a plan. It's just do I stick to my plan or not is the, is the problem.
0: That becomes the key thing. All right, well, we'll check in with you next week, unless you had anything else you wanted to reflect on or, or talk about before we get out of here.
1: No, I think that's good. I, uh,
0: I think it was, I think think it was Sophia the First, by the way. I think it was Sophia the First, Mom.
1: Sophia the First. You're exactly right. <laughs> Exactly
0: right. My wife has never looked at me more like I should be locked away than when she heard us having this conversation about hot cartoon moms. It was it was truly embarrassing and wonderful all at the same time.
1: No, I mean better than saying you know actual moms are hot. Right?
0: <laughs> like, you
1: know, we're not going to hook up with Sophia the First mom under I mean, any circumstances. Sort of so
0: great stuff. All right, well we're we're rooting for you. We're hoping this is going to be the week. Appreciate the encouraging signs and all the stuff you're sharing. Um, oh, you know what we didn't talk about on air that maybe we should do before we get out of here? What's that? King's Barnes. King's Barnes, yes. The horse that won the 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 Louisiana Derby, who all of my first instincts were about how much I want to beat this horse off this soft trip. And then I just had a little flicker in the back of my head to 2017. And a little horse called Always Dreaming, who I had similar thoughts about at first, and fortunately, you were a big champion of Always Dreaming, who made the point that you know it didn't matter how candy soft his trip was in the Florida Derby because he finished so fast. I don't know if you've looked at this at all, but you know, is there? I, I just want to make sure I'm not you know falling in a in a in a deep hole here. With my wanting to beat Kings Barnes. I mean, to me, the difference is now on the buyer scale, Kings Barnes and Always Dreaming's races were similar. I think 95 versus 97. But I remember, I thought it was you and others having that final figure much faster. And especially the late pace figure that Briss had, if, if it wasn't you, for um, Always Dreaming was much faster than what I think we're going to end up having Kings Barnes run. Anyway, I just thought you were the person. Perfect person to talk to about this. And if you want to table it for next time and dig into some numbers, that's fine too. But I figured I'd ask.
1: No, we can talk about it. Um, You know, the uh, maximum security was another one that everybody sort of hated coming out of that race because he got a, you know, perfect slow paced trip. The, the key is with always dreaming and maximum security is they had shown the ability to run fast before, before the Florida Derby, fast early. So, you know, they had shown the ability to run par or better early and run, you know, close to par late in some of their pre Florida Derby efforts. And then in the Florida Derby, they got a during trip and ran that sort of, compl- you know, classic compression race where they. Just, you know, go slow because they don't have to go that fast and then finish extremely fast. I don't, I'm not familiar enough with Kings Barnes first two races. Um, I've done the figures for them. And, you know, in my opinion, he has not yet run fast enough early in a race and finished anywhere close fast enough. Um, to, to give me any confidence that he can be that type of horse. But, you know, I think the general theory of disregarding perfect trip speed horses that that run big late pace numbers, I think that's a mistake.
0: Well, I'd love to hear if you come up with a pace, uh, late pace figure for Kingsbarns at some point.
1: Well, you know, his... That pace was so slow, like his late pace figure is going to need to be triple digits or or better um, for me to even consider it. Because I know his early, his first two races, he he ran no late pace figures at all. Right. Um, But he did that without running like super fast early either. So, you know, I didn't like that horse in a Louisiana Derby one bit. I just didn't think he was any good at all. So he's clearly getting better, but he's probably gonna be i'm still not convinced he has that much talent i guess is my point you know if he if you you know if he runs a hundred if he runs like a hundred and two or hundred and three late pace figure on my stuff but only ran in the you know forties or fifties or even sixties early that's that's just not good enough um you know if he runs in the '80s, early, which would still be considerably slower than par for the Louisiana Derby, and runs 102 or 103, then that's something I would, you know, I would look at more. But you know, the,
0: before the Derby, is it a pretty good guess that you'll have had you'll have a full figure array for him? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, yeah. we can. I'm,
1: I'm slowly catching up our my, my U.S. figures, and we're starting with the prep races, so. Right. Um, we'll, we'll have, come, come Derby Day, we'll have figures for everything.
0: We could put a pin in this until then. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was so, he was so obviously the speed that even though I wanted to beat him, I couldn't. Like, I, I left him in the mix just because I, I just didn't know who was going to run with him. So that's another reason. You know, when you anticipate they're going to get the candy trip and they get the candy trip, then that makes me, my natural inclination is to want to beat them the next time. Um, yeah, and crew, I think that's, like I think that's,
1: I think that's right. It just depends on, you know, everything depends on what they've done before the big late pace figure to me. I mean, if they've, if they've proven they can run multiple ways, that's much better than if they've only proven they can do it one way. Yes. And always dreaming had proven he could run multiple ways Um, maximum security agreement he could run multiple ways that's why i wasn't against those horses and actually bet on them right i think in both cases um but kings barn i don't think's proven really anything yet is he going to run again or is he going straight to the derby
0: no it's got to be straight to the derby just looking at what time it you know march 27th man there's, there's no. I mean, there's no time. mean, still
1: what six weeks between the Derby.
0: Yeah, but they're not going to run him back in two weeks. Again, that's... God
1: forbid they do anything like that. You know, <laughs> probably, I'm not saying right or wrong, but I,
0: I can guarantee you that. No, sure.
1: you're right. They, they won't. So he's going to be. He's going to be. A, he's going to be a difficult horse to analyze. Just no matter what happens going forward. Um, oh, so if that LP horses, comes it's back, it's just going to be
0: if the lps pedestrian i'm happy just to try to beat him out of everything oh yeah if
1: it's if it's no
0: i'm i haven't
1: officially i haven't finalized that figure i just sort of glanced at it his pace figures are going to be so dreadfully slow his lp needs to be i mean honestly it's going to have to be like 108 or 110 for me to really consider him for the Derby, And it's not, I don't think it's going to be that. So, you know, in my mind, he's sort of a throw out.
0: Gotcha. Well, plenty more to talk about. And we'll we'll keep bothering you about these triple crown races along the way. And hopefully, oh. you know, we're going to have some real good material and and we'll have you involved too in our uh, pro player round table. We're going to do ahead of the, ahead of the Derby. We got to see if we can get our man Paul for that or, uh, partner you with uh, with somebody else find somebody else who you would love to talk about these races uh with on the eve of uh of of all the excitement sean thank you for your time today and we'll uh, do it again next week
1: yes sir have
0: a good week thanks one more time to sean thanks to everybody out there for listening to these shows we've had great interaction feel free to hit me up on Twitter with questions at Looms Boldly or the contact page over at inthemoneypodcast.com comes right to my email. So that's another good thing to do as well. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.